0: Join me in Exodus chapter number 6, Exodus chapter number 6. So in a few weeks, my daughter Trinity is going to be graduating from high school, and uh, in preparation for that, uh, they are uh, putting together a poster board of some pictures of Trinity throughout uh, her years from birth all the way up through graduation. Last night, uh, um, the family was gathered around a, a laptop in the in the kitchen, and uh, I kept hearing these words. Trinity would say, "Mom, how come you didn't tell me what I looked like?" Uh, or Trevor would just chuckle at something. Uh, they shared a few pictures in a group chat with our with our family, and, and we got to enjoy the the memories. You've probably all have seen these big poster boards, though, that have people's pictures, including even something as simple as a yearbook where you see you see snapshots of moments in time of someone's life or of, or of an event. But, but see, here's the problem with the snapshot. It lacks context. Like you don't know what was going on and who was there and why the, even sometimes that picture was taken. That means that when you when we stand there if you were to come to our home and look at these Pictures on this poster board of trinity you might get snapshots of her life, but you wouldn't get to know her You would only see brief moments in time and to be honest the context Is left up to you? This is ringing up here for some reason. I'm not sure what's going The context is left up to the one who is viewing the picture You're you're the one that has to decide, um, where was she? Who is she with, and why are those people important? Why was that that picture even taken? And and the context is is going to be completely left up to the person who's viewing the picture who wasn't even there. Now, Now, if you were to take the time, and I know you don't want to take the time, but if you were to take the time and say... Stand here with me trinity or stand here with me brian and jamie and on each one of these pictures Tell me what was going on if if we did that with you You would get to know our daughter far better than just looking at little snapshots Now I think that's very important because we'll never get to know someone by a snapshot of their life We'll only get to know somebody by hearing and understanding the context of Picture. I think there's probably a, a microphone that might be on hot that needs to be muted. That's my guess. Sorry. Now, why you say, why is all this important, Pastor? Because I, I would be, here's what my contention is I would contend that the knowledge most people have about God is nothing more than a set of snapshots. And there are snapshots you learned from stories. Sunday school. You know about creation, about Noah's Ark, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, and and Moses and the Ten Commandments, and Joshua and the walls falling down in Canaan, and and you probably know about people like Samson and Samuel and and David and Solomon and Saul and and, and prophets like Elijah. How many of you know basically what i'm talking about when I was going through those stories and those people raise your hand We know those stories and we know those characters, but here's the question. What does that tell us about god? I mean Of all those bible stories and characters that we're familiar with we know the people and we know the stories But do we know why they're there? Aren't they supposed to be teaching us about who God is? I I would contend that most Christians read the Bible looking for lessons on how to better live out the Christian life. Like, I'm going to go to my Bible, and I'm going to see, what does it say today? How is this going to help me live out my Christian life? How can I stand up to a Pharaoh like Moses did? And how can I be bold like a, a Daniel? Or how can I face a giant like David? But let's be honest. Let's just, let's just be honest. We can learn those same lessons by people around us today. I mean, during COVID, there was a pastor in California, his name's John MacArthur. He refused to shut down his church all through COVID. Well, that sure sounds like a Moses standing up to a government like Pharaoh. So we could learn that same kind of lesson about standing up to something. There's a man who was born without arms and legs, and he's a traveling evangelist. His name is first name is Nick, and I, I believe his last name is Vyushik or Vujik or something like that. And, and he travels all around the country and he preaches about Jesus. So, I mean, if we're gonna talk about facing giants, like this guy, he faces giants every day. So if the Bible To us is nothing more than this wealth of inspirational stories and amazing lessons that we can now take and apply to our lives We're missing the context of scripture We're looking at a snapshot and we're coming away with it What we think about it rather than what God desires us to know about it? And I say that because Jesus took the scriptures and and the resurrected Christ After he was raised from the dead talking to some of his disciples He said those scriptures and all they had was the Old Testament. Those scriptures are about me So if we're gonna if we're gonna approach the 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 Bible and say well the, the Holy Spirit He must have inspired those biblical authors but if all we get out of it is an instruction book really is that is that what god wanted us to have some heavenly instructions That god just want us to have a historical record of what took place with the nation of israel over the thousands of years that they existed Does God want us just to take a bunch of lessons out of this book and apply them to our lives and I would contend no I would say that the Bible is far more than a book that instructs us on how to live. It's a book that introduces us to the one who gave us life. This Bible is not just like, what do I do? What do I take out of it? No, it's about who is the one that gave me life? What can I learn about him? And so as we read through this exodus narrative, we're we're not primarily looking for for fresh lessons on. Well, how can I be more like Moses or how can I stand up uh, like an Aaron? No, I mean, I, I think those individuals are important to the story. But the exodus narrative is meant to introduce us to the God who said, if you were here last week, who said, I am Yahweh. And I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. And what the Bible continues to reveal to us in these snapshots is more than just, well, this is what Moses did and this is what the people did. It's who is God? How is he reacting to these individuals? If you were here with us last week, we got through the first uh, eight, ch- eight verses of chapter number six. And in verses two through eight, we see this beautiful speech by the Lord. And when you see lord in all capitals l-o-r-d that is the personal name for god yahweh that he revealed to moses We see yahweh giving this speech and 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 he started in verse 2 by making the statement. I am yahweh He closed it in verse 8 by saying I am yahweh And so basically what he's saying is the entire purpose of what i'm about to say is my name I am yahweh and that matters and my purpose, and here's who I am. My purpose is to make a people for myself so that I could be your God and you could be my people. And I'm going to do that because my name is Yahweh. And in between his name and his purpose, we see these awesome blessings and benefits. To anyone who says I want to take the name of yahweh I want to be one of his people and I want him to be my god and the amazing blessings that come from that is you will be burdened or you will be saved from the burdens of slavery and you will You will be brought into a land that I have prepared for you I am yahweh. I want you to be my people Here's what you'll get if you are willing to take my name and follow me and what we're going to get into today is simply, how did the people react to that? It was, it was like it was such an amazing speech. And like, could you imagine if you're in bondage and you're you're a slave and you're you, every day you have to go make bricks for this this mean man named. Pharaoh who who is just oppressing you and all of a sudden this man named Moses who you know is raised up to do mighty miracles by a God he comes and he says, I have a message for you here's the message. here's the message all of you who are in bondage and in slavery here's the message. Yahweh said, I am here. I'm here. And I'm here to make you my people, and I am here to be your God. I'm here. Isn't that going to be great news? But we're going to find out that it wasn't great news. It wasn't great news to the people. Now, from chapter, or from verse 9, All the way through the end of the chapter i'm going to split it into three three sections i'm going to take verses 9 through 13 And verses 26 through 30 and we're going to put those together in just a moment and that that is the reaction of the people And of moses to what yahweh's speech was And in between those two sections is this third section. It's everybody's favorite portion of the bible genealogies don't you love it when you get to this person gave birth to this person who gave birth to this person who gave birth to this. Isn't that so I love it. I, it's there's it's so it's not exciting, right? But I want us to remain focused on this question. What is it telling us about Yahweh? Because he just declared who he was what his purpose was And now we're going to get into the response of the people in this long genealogy now We're going to start with the genealogy so we can get that out of the way, all right? You guys, okay. We have have to read it, but we're going to read it first so we can get it out of the way. But before we start reading, there's three things I want you to know about this genealogy that we're about to read. First, there's only three sons of Jacob's 12 that are mentioned. Okay, so as, as you'll notice there's there's reuben there's simeon and then there's levi but we don't get the rest of it So so what this genealogy is not is a list of everybody. It's not trying to give us everyone that was born to jacob There's only three and, and I would say that reuben and levi or reuben and simeon are there only as placeholders So we could get to the who's really important levi Okay Secondly, I want you to notice as we read there's going to be three lifespans that are mentioned Numbers like this guy lived this many years three times. There's mention if you add up those three years And you add up aaron's age aaron is 83. We'll find that out next chapter aaron's 83 If you if you add up these four numbers, you're going to come up with 490 years Now why is that important because it gives us some context that god spoke to abraham in genesis 15 that your people are going to be sojourners for 400 years a couple after ahead of us in exodus 12 he's going to say you've been here for 430 years so we're just getting an idea that what is being said to abraham and what is going to be declared in exodus 12 it can be true because of the time span okay third i want you to notice how everything in this is going to eventually narrow down to one man this genealogy is given to us for one purpose because it's about one man his name is aaron What we're about to read this genealogy is all about establishing aaron as a descendant of levi Which will make him eligible to be a levitical priest The whole purpose of this genealogy So I want you to know that as we as we rush through all these names. All right, here we go Exodus chapter 6 verse number 14 These are the heads of their father's houses the sons of reuben the firstborn of israel hanok palu hezron and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Yachin, Zohar, and Shaul. The son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, Shimei, by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, Uziel. The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, The sons of Uziel, Mishiel, Ezevan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife, Elisheba, or Eli- Elisheba, I don't know. The daughter of Aminadab and the daughter of Nashim, And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithanar. The sons of Korah, Izhar, Asher, Elkanah and I don't even I give up. These are the clans of the Korahites. Last verse. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his, his wife, one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. And we all said, Amen. Glad that is done. Holy smokes. Now, what in the world? Really? Let's be honest. What in the world? Why do we have to have genealogies in the Bible? Like what in the world But let's ask a different question What does this genealogy teach us about yahweh? What does it teach us about the god Who said I am yahweh and I want you to be my people here's here's what I think I have a couple thoughts First I I see that yahweh values everyone That there's no little people in his world Because listen, not everyone listed mattered to the story, but everyone listed mattered to Yahweh Because they're his family Like you might think you're a nobody I don't matter to the story that's going on around me other people mean more listen listen Maybe it's someone else's story that might be true But when it comes to your god who created you nobody matters more than you Nobody does and I know this is terrible grammar. So please forgive me. Please forgive me But like nobody is a nobody to god Nobody is a nobody to god No little people Secondly, I think what it teaches us is that yahweh partners with average people to accomplish great things So may I ask you just a quick quick raise of hand How many of you think what moses and aaron did? Like was we know they lead the people out of Egypt across the Red Sea and into the wilderness. How many? How many of you say what they did is pretty amazing? Would you raise a hand? Okay, great. So they were they were pretty special people, right? Well, I mean I don't know. According to this genealogy, they were just the son of the son of the son of the son. Like we read who their dads and granddads were. There was nothing standing out as if these men received anything special. No, no who they were wasn't great who they chose as their god Was great That means you and I can do great things not because we're great, but because we have a great god Third I would say yahweh raises up new generations of warriors through families So we have fathers and sons who are listed and I think the primary reason is a patriarchal society. I think the primary reason is the father passed on the blessing and the inheritance to his son who became a father who passed it on to his son, who then became a father, passed it on to, to his son. Right. And each generation needs new leaders, new warriors to lead their families. One of the reasons, one of the many reasons that I would stand against gay marriage Not only because of the Bible, I get that, but one of the reasons I would stand against gay marriage is because no matter how hard that couple wants to express their love to one another, they cannot produce a new family for that to continue on. The expression of love between a man and a woman produces a child, produces fruit. That child can then offer love to someone else and produce fruit. And the calling that we have as Christians is for new generations to be raised up to carry on the mission that Christ has given to us. How do we continue generations of disciples to follow him if men are with men and if women are with women and there's no fruit from that? But listen, as much as we want, to, might be against gay marriage. Are we for raising up our children to be warriors for Christ? We spend whatever it takes to Time, money, and resources to raise up warriors on grass fields and wooden courts? Do we spend whatever it takes time, energy, resources to raise up warriors to go out into a world that is awaiting to chop their heads off because they're Christians? We need to be raising up warriors in our families, but not warriors on a field, warriors for Christ. Number four, I think Yahweh always seems to be running late. Man, does he run late. But he arrives right on time. Was it like, did it take a long time to get through that genealogy? Like, to me, it was like, will this thing end? Like, come on. That was reading through it. Could you imagine living through it? But then, could you imagine the fact that it was all the way back in Genesis when God promises Eve to send a Messiah? We got all these generations until we get to jacob and then we have all these generations until jesus comes like That is a long time and how many people said god enough already We always think he's running late But he's right on time He had promised abraham 400 years Guess when he showed up Right on time I know that there are people in this room and you are prayerfully anticipating God's hand to work in your life in some way. Like, come on, Lord. Come on. Come on already. Some of you are praying for children. Some of you are praying for children to return home. Some of you are praying for health to make a change. Some of you are praying for physical needs. And, and all it's always like, Lord, do it when I say. Right. But here's what we know about Yahweh. It's always right on time. Don't despair Don't give up hope Coming, Right on time Last thing I would say about the genealogy What it teaches is about Yahweh Yahweh provides who and what we need To accomplish our calling Now I'm going to need you to think with me For just a moment Okay? I'm, I'm sorry because I'm going to confuse you if you don't listen I know I will Whose genealogy primarily did we trace Remember his name Aaron Aaron Aaron's gonna become the the high priest But here's the thing when moses When moses is writing this he's not writing exodus as it happens. He sits down Long time later. I would contend it would probably be when he was 40 days up on the the mountain with the lord um, That he's he's doing a lot of this writing, but moses is writing after they've left egypt about this right now and he pauses before they go in with any of the plagues He pauses to write and, and here's Aaron's Right To be the high priest now that he is The high priest right does that make sense To you does it make sense okay I want to ask you a question I want you to think with, Who else is Qualified to be the high priest Can you think of anybody else that would be Qualified to be the high priest Well Jesus Yes good answer good answer Moses How is moses qualified to be high priest? He's got the same lineage as aaron, right? That makes sense. These guys are brothers. Okay When does aaron enter the picture? Only after moses says no No No, 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 I will not go God doesn't come to Moses in the burning bush and say, hey, listen, here's the plan. I'm going to send you back to to Pharaoh, and I'm going to send your brother with you. He never says that until Moses says, I will not go send someone else. And then then God says, I'm going to send your brother with you. I'm going to be with both of you, and I'll I'll be with your mouth. So here's, Here's the thought I have. Do you think God would have wanted Moses to be both the... National, this political leader of Israel and the spiritual leader. I mean, was he was Moses supposed to point us to the one who would come to be the governmental leader, the one who would be the King of Kings, and the one who would be the High Priest? Was Moses supposed to point us to this man? And he didn't. I don't know. I can't answer that question. If it was always God's intent to to bring Aaron along, I can't answer that question. But here's here's what I do know. When Moses said no, God didn't toss him aside. He provided what he needed. And I love that. Because God could have said, man, I have a job for you. If you're not going to do it, I'll find somebody else. But he didn't do that. He sent his brother. Okay. Do you feel like God wants you to do something that you aren't capable of doing. Guess who he has for you? Brothers and sisters to help you accomplish what he has called you to do. And guess what those brothers and sisters are called? The church. How cool is that? Like. You and I are going to face things we could never ever do on our own and God already knew it Just like he knew Moses was going to say no. He knew you were going to say no to something He knew you would so he put you in a family that said I've got brothers and sisters who are going to come Help you be who I am calling you to be. I just I absolutely love that you have brothers just like moses did to help you accomplish What god wants you to do Man, that's good. Now let's get let's get back to the two passages prior to this so that that's 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 who is yahweh according to a Genealogy, right? I think that's cool that we can pull those things out about a list of people that we don't know just a bunch of names But let's go back Yahweh delivered this great speech. How do the people and how to moses respond look back at verse number nine? Verse number nine Remember we're not looking at moses and we're not looking at the people We're looking at what do we learn about yahweh verse nine Moses spoke thus so he's he's telling them what god just said Moses spoke thus to the people of israel, but they did not listen to moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery So yahweh said to moses Go in and tell pharaoh king of egypt to let the people of israel Go out of his land But moses said to yahweh behold the the people of israel have not listened to me How then shall pharaoh listen to me for I am of uncircumcised lips But yahweh spoke to moses and aaron and gave them a charge about the people of israel and about pharaoh king of egypt To bring the people of israel out of the land of egypt So here's what we see right Yahweh delivers this incredible message of hope and the people dismiss it why? Because their spirits are broken and they are under great burdens of slavery. It's gotten worse since Moses returned. They look at Moses and like, you know, we weren't we were we weren't doing good, but we're doing worse since you and this Yahweh showed up. So Moses, when God says, "Hey, go, let's do it again," Moses is like, "No, I'm not, no." Listen, these people that i'm supposed to lead out won't even listen to me What's this most powerful man in the world that some believe would be even an embodied god? How is he going to listen to me these lips god these lips? How does yahweh respond look at verse number 26? Skip down to verse 26 These are the aaron and moses so this is following the genealogy that just tracked aaron These are the Aaron and Moses to whom Yahweh said bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts It was they who spoke to Pharaoh king of Egypt about bringing out the people Bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt this Moses and this Aaron On the day when Yahweh spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt Yahweh said to Moses I am Yahweh Tell Pharaoh king of Egypt all that I say to you but Moses said to Yahweh, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? So like, what these two passages teach us about Yahweh is that he always responds to the broken and to the incomplete with patient love. Like when Moses came to the people with really good news, they showed no excitement that Yahweh was there. Why, why is it not exciting because they were facing a more intense slavery than ever before and this man Going up to say yahweh is here. The I am is with us and he wants to be our god. That was not good news to them And when they complained to moses moses complained to yahweh and he keeps going back to the same thing my mouth my mouth So we have this This good news and what's the what's the word for good news? We have this good news. We have the we have the gospel, right? We have the good news that yahweh was with his people and he wanted to be their god and he wanted them to be his people But that was simply not good news to anybody because the people were broken and because moses felt incomplete Okay, but what do we learn about yahweh? here's what we learn that Yahweh's mission of building a people for himself didn't stop because of discouragement. He didn't stop his mission and cross his arms and say, man, you bunch of punks. Forget you then. No, he didn't stop because of discouragement. What does he do? He repeated the mission to Moses and to Aaron. He said, I will Be with you. I am Yahweh. And see, when we learn that this is who Yahweh is, that his mission doesn't stop simply because people get discouraged, and when we understand that Jesus came on the earth declaring himself to be the I am, which means Yahweh of the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament, they are one and the same. So when we have Jesus Saying giving a Mission to his People Go therefore And make disciples Of all nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father And of the Son and of the Holy Ghost Teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you And I will be with you When Jesus gives that Command guess what It doesn't Stop when the world around us looks like it's collapsing. What he does is he brings his people together to repeat the mission and remind them, I am with you. Go in my name, go in my power, and go in my authority. And that for us today be good news. should be, but for some of you sitting in this room, and for a whole lot of people around us, that's not good news. You know why? Because you're broken. Hearts are broken. Spirit is broken. You've been wounded. You feel incomplete, and a God who has left you in that condition doesn't sound like good news. I I very much remember sitting down with a family in Luray They don't attend our church But they have a family member who did and they lost a child and I went and made a visit and I sat with them They were not believers And when I sat with them, they were very very sad very very hurt And when I opened up my Bible to begin to explain to them the hope that Jesus offers to See that child again one day they shut me down That was not good news to them because you know what they wanted they wanted to see their child today And they blamed god for the reason that they couldn't And when people are broken like that What do we do? Because that's exactly the way these people were in egypt but what I did was I put their name on a board in my office and I continue to pray for them. I've seen them three times since that visit in their home. Each time I remind them, I know you're hurting, but I want you to know I'm praying for you. Your name is on a board in my office and I pray for you regularly. And the last time I said that, they hugged me with tears in their eyes. I'm not anything, but I continue to point them to who Jesus is. Why do I point them to who Jesus is? Oh, I'm glad you asked because jesus picked up this scroll and something that was written by isaiah let me find it i'm I'm lost Trent. i can't move jesus picked up this scroll and, and what that scroll read was this the spirit of the sovereign lord the spirit of yahweh is on me because yahweh has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus took this scroll in a in a tabernacle and, and he read it. And when he rolled it back up, he set the scroll down. And then he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what do you mean it's fulfilled? What about all the broken hearted? Here's the thing. The one who came to bind up the broken hearted had arrived. That's the good news. The one who had come to offer freedom to the captives, he was here. But they're still in captivity and they were still broken hearted. And so it didn't sound like good news. So they nailed him to a cross. Broken people really need to know how much Jesus cares. This past week, I found out about a drag show that's going to take place at Watch and Warrant Restaurant here in Luray. When I saw that, that really bothered me. It really bothered me because I don't want to see that in our town. I've prayed a lot about it. You know what the Lord keeps showing me? Those are broken people. So are you, Brian. You might be broken in different ways. You're both broken. What would you want someone to do if you were broken? I'd want someone to pray for me, sure. I want someone to love me for sure hey hey, I don't mind people and I will be in I'll I'll be at the front I'll stand up for righteousness sake I don't want to see our town becoming a place where immorality is celebrated I don't but I, I do kind of wonder if more than protesters yelling angry things do we need who want to display the love of Christ and we need to be proclaimers of truth I can't stop a sinner from sinning you know what I can do I can sit down with my family and I can teach them the truth we can love people as Christ has called us to to love people I'm not changing the truth I don't I don't want to change the truth Listen, I came across this week the, Someone from the, uh, the LGBTQ community Shared something and said I am who I am And immediately I thought No, you can't say that That's who our God is Yahweh is the one who can say I am who I am You are his good creation You're not God though When you claim the title of god now you could say you might have made me a man But i'm no longer a man i'm going to myself a woman because I am who I am You're not who you are like see that's that's not that no, no, we can't do that We have a creator yahweh is the only one who can claim to be the I am who I am We are his good creation. The problem is we don't even see our own brokenness sometimes and we always We struggle to realize that what we think of as Incompletion is the exact way god wanted us to be How many times did moses say my mouth my mouth But what did yahweh already say who made man's mouth? He's already asked him that question. I Did it and when, Yahweh, when, when Moses came back in those final verses and said, I can't do it, what was Yahweh's answer? I am Yahweh. That, it keeps coming back to the name of God. If you, if you take the name of God upon you and you want him to be your God and you will be his people, he will provide everything you need in between. God never chose Moses because Moses was enough. He didn't say, you're enough. When he said, I am Yahweh, he's saying, I am enough. God never chose Moses because Moses was enough. God chose Moses because Yahweh was enough for Moses. Moses had everything God needed because Yahweh was everything Moses needed. And he had promised to be with him. Same is true for us. I can't do that, Lord. I am. I am. And I will be with you. Talking about this incompletion, and this is the last thing I want to share. The culture around us tells us that we have to love ourselves. You know why they say that? There's this assumption that I won't be loved fully unless I love myself. I've been let down by a lot of people. So you know what? Love yourself. I work with our children on Wednesday nights with, with, with Chris Hopkins and Christine, and at the end of our time together this past Wednesday, we sat down to do a bookmark. There's a young lady, she's like in fourth grade at my table, and she's sitting by this boy who's also in fourth grade, and they kind of like each other. Okay? So I... I don't want to say that I teased them about it, but they know I just teased them about it Well, she was she had finished cutting out her bookmark And so she started writing on it and she wrote love You and I was like, oh no, please don't try to write this and then hand it to him But she kept writing and she didn't write love you. She wrote love yourself And I called her name and I said hey How about loving others? Yeah, yeah. So she she took her bookmark and she immediately wrote love others, and I said, hey, how about this? Yeah. And she wrote love God. And I thought, here's this girl who comes to sit in 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 our in a, in a church cafeteria every Wednesday to to hear teaching about God, how to love God and love others, but the culture around us. Has dominated her thinking to where she says, love yourself. Without even, and I know she's in fourth grade, so I get that. But without even thinking, love other people. And while in a church, not even thinking, love God. But again, I know why. Because your cult, the culture around us, is saying, if you don't love yourself, You'll never be loved the way you deserve to be loved. And that is why we have grown men dressing up like women and dancing in front of a crowd. For one reason. Well, I shouldn't say for one reason. I'm sure there's multiple reasons. But one of the reasons is because they don't look at themselves as complete in the way God made them. And so they don't feel loved and embraced by the God who created them you know what our bible tells us it tells us that our god loved us so much and that and that his extreme example of sharing his love for us was to send his one and only son as the one who would come down to deliver the world from sin by giving his own life upon a cross and he would go into a grave and his life would be over but three days later he would rise from the grave he would ascend back to the heavens and be seated on the throne right hand of God he, he sent that deliverer for us because he loved us so much and now he says and I invite you to let me be your God for you to be my people I am for anyone who finds themselves in between here's what we know You are fully loved. Fully loved. If you are fully loved, guess what that frees you to do? You don't have to love yourself anymore. You are freed to love others. We're freed. Tim Keller passed away this week. Phenomenal theologian. And something that was shared recently just struck me. He said, to be loved but not known is superficial. Like, it doesn't really mean anything if you say, I love you, but you don't even know the person. But to be known, not loved, our nightmare. Someone will actually see, us, see me for who I am and say, I don't love you. Only Jesus knows us Loves us. That means he created you. He saw your failures. He saw what you think is his incomplete, in your incompleteness, and he said, "No, it's not. You are who I created you to be. I am who I am, and you are who I made you to be. And I love you fully. That frees us." Love him because we only love him. What a good man! We get to see who our Yahweh is through a genealogy, a bunch of complainers. What a good God we have! He wants to be your God, too. Pray with me.